Hi everybody, welcome to Red Angle, uh, first uh, batch of 2023. I'm Bill Whittle here with Steve Green and, and uh, Alfonso Rachel sitting in for Scott Ott. And uh, guys, we all know we can look back on the uh, 2022 midterms and the results of which gave you the same level of euphoria as having a dentist tell you we're almost done when when you're having your root canal, right? That that's that it's good news, but it's it's not exactly the kind of triumphant kind of joy that you were uh, looking for. There is, however, as an aftermath of this, something that looks like it might be a, a good sign, because it doesn't matter how many Republicans you send to Congress, if it turns out that they don't act like conservatives, if they don't vote like conservatives, if they just become inside the Beltway versus outside the Beltway, it doesn't matter what D or R they are. It's just it's just more of the same. So uh, this is breaking news as we record this on the uh, 4th of January. But uh, former House Speaker uh, Kevin McCarthy uh, has... Potential House Speaker. Potential. Sorry, yeah. sorry. Yes, yeah, I, I, I had him confused with Nancy Pelosi because they look so similar. Um, potential House, Spe House Speaker Kevin McCarthy, who represents old school Republican Party, get along, you know, do, you know, that whole kind of... You know we're part of the of the of the Washington organism, and uh, and you should let us do it because we're not one of these dangerous radical you know conservatives like you know lunatics like Josh Hawley or whatever the case may be. So anyway, he um, he was running for uh, for the election for Speaker of the House, and he didn't make it. And what I find particularly interesting about this is the, is a statement made by um, U.S. Representative Scott Perry, who is from uh, 10th District in Pennsylvania, uh, and he released this statement. Uh, I think it was today as we record this, uh, and this is why I think it's good news. So let me just get this out, guys, and you can tell me what you think. This is it in full. Uh, talking about the vote, he said, we've, we've worked in good faith for months to change the status quo. At nearly every turn, we've been sidelined or resisted by McCarthy, and any perceived progress has often been vague or contained loopholes that further amplified concerns as to the sincerity of the promises being made. In his 14 years in Republican leadership, McCarthy has repeatedly failed to demonstrate any desire to meaningfully change the status quo in Washington. Despite our deep reservations, we've continued to work in earnest to find a path forward with McCarthy, knowing that this crucial moment would come. On New Year's Eve at the 11th hour, after dragging his feet for months, McCarthy presented a vague ultimatum lacking in specifics and substance. In an attempt to flesh out and add substance to his ultimatum and our many discussions, we approached McCarthy with an offer to get him to 218 votes, and he declined. Again, this is from U.S. Representative Scott Perry. While he claimed to offer fair and equitable representation for conservatives on all House committees when we provided specific names willing to serve on each... As he requested, he balked. We asked him for firm commitments on concrete policies for the benefit of the American people. When asked to promise votes on, one, a balanced budget, two, the Fair Tax Act, and three, the Texas Border Plan, and four, term limits for members of Congress, he refused. We requested transparent, accountable votes on individual earmarks that would require two-thirds support to pass and ensure that all the amendments to cut spending would be allowed floor consideration. He dismissed it. We demanded that he cease his efforts to defeat competitive conservative candidates in open Republican primaries. He denied it. Kevin McCarthy had an opportunity to be Speaker of the House, and he rejected it. Now, that is a pretty compelling damnation of everything that's been wrong with the Republican Party for the longest possible time, guys. 30 years. It, what difference is it? Yeah, years, decades now. What difference does it make if you elect Republicans who behave like Beltway insiders and and oh we oppose the Democrats' plan of spending 1.2 trillion dollars. We 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 think that number should be 1.05 trillion dollars. 
Absolutely. And I think a, a big problem is, 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 you know, this this uniparty um, that uh, the, the, I don't even want to say Republicans, man, that these rhinos, right, that these rhinos have, have, have become involved with the Democrats. And that's a big part of why people can't tell the difference as it is. Just like you said, it, it doesn't matter if they're not going to go in there to be uh, conservatives and it, it doesn't make any difference. But I want to say for the record that, you know, when people folks, when you say that you can't tell them apart anymore, you know, as shown by the example by McCarthy, it's definitely not because uh, of Democrats acting like Republicans. It's Republicans acting like Democrats. Well it's, said. Is what, is what we're getting. That's why we can't. I, I mean, I, I know the whole adage of, you know, uh, doesn't matter if it's the right wing and it's the left wing. It's all the same bird and it's all, all the same two sides, the same coin, the same crap. It's like, no, the problem is that we have these Republican deviants. They're not even really Republicans. They're just rhinos. And they're acting like Democrats. And that's the problem that we're having. You know, here's here. Here's the trouble. Uh, well, part of the problem. Uh, well, we've actually, we've got two different things going on. Uh, the first is that there's nobody other than McCarthy that's anywhere close to 218 votes, which is what it takes to become elected speaker. And the alternatives are arguably worse. You've got either a pro-amnesty guy, a guy who voted uh, to impeach Trump, or we're going to end up with a power-sharing arrangement with the Democrats, which means the Republicans have pre-rolled over on everything that counts. So we're, we're, we're just in a bad situation. There are two solutions. Uh, neither one is going to happen in the next two years. The first is you just got to elect more conservatives to Congress, not more Republicans, more conservatives to Congress. Uh, people who actually stand for something other than bringing home the pork and lining their own pockets. Um, and it's very difficult to do that. In fact, it's very difficult to stay a conservative when Washington has grown so huge, when it's when it's when there's so much money and power there, how do you not get tempted? I mean, we're we're human beings. We are fallible, fallen creatures, um, and so you get there and you mean well. But now there's you know all of this money being dangled, not just for you personally, but for your district, for the people who sent you there. Oh, come on, just take a little taste for their sake. Um, and the other problem is a lack of leadership on the top. Uh, Donald Trump did a lot of good, but he did not run as a fiscal conservative in 2016. He did not uh, execute the office of president as a fiscal conservative during during his tenure. And fiscal conservatism, and the lack of it, is what's killing this nation. We didn't we didn't get up to thirty some odd trillion dollars in in debt because uh, we're we're not conservative enough. No, it's it's because we're we're too progressive. Um, we need some real fiscal conservatism, and that's going to have to come from the top. We need a Republican president who is a genuine fiscal conservative who actually means it and can herd that damn greedy herd of cats on Capitol Hill. Um, right now, I think that man is probably Ron DeSantis. I don't know. Uh, he, did you watch any of his inaugural on Tuesday? There was only one. I didn't. There was only one. Oh, it was huge, and there was only one word to describe it: presidential. Presidential. Mm, yeah. um, you know, obviously, uh, when um, when I just read that uh, that memorandum, they were talking about uh, McCarthy not being able to commit to a balanced budget, fair tax act, Texas border plan, term limits for Congress, and so on. We know for absolute fact that Donald Trump is strong on at least one of those. But you're right. The the, fist, the spending thing. The spending thing is now so out of control for so long that 
everybody knows that this money is not going to be repaid. Everybody knows it. It's not going to happen. And we still pretend. Right? So money money no longer means what it used to mean, and we're going to pay for this because reality still is, is, yeah. is in the game. But hearing this and, and seeing the result of McCarthy at least not getting the first round of votes uh, is an indication that maybe it's not going to be quite as much business as usual. We all worked as part of the Tea Party thing, you know, 10 years ago, guys. We were all like frontline speakers for this thing. And the, the same argument that they're making today was made then. Some of the candidates were weak or so on. But nevertheless, we delivered the House, and then we delivered the Senate, and then we delivered the presidency. And they didn't do anything. And, and they didn't do anything either because they didn't mean it going in or, as, as Steve just mentioned, the, the perks of, of power are overwhelming. Absolutely corrupting. Um, yeah, I was um, I was talking to a person who became a member of Congress, Alan West, and uh, and he said it's really remarkable. You'll go out and and have uh, dinner with somebody, some of your constituents or something like that, and you'll just be chatting about things, you know. And in the course of the conversation, uh, you know, I like this and so on. What's your favorite drink? Oh, I like Glenn, you know, I like fourteen year old Glenn Fittich. Oh, more conversation. He said the next morning you wake up, there's a case of fourteen year old Glenn Fittich on your doorstep, right? It just appears magically. Like that, and and that is that is hard to resist. But I think the biggest problem is our political position is smaller government, and it's very hard to find people who want to go to the to the turmoil and the and the and the mud and the and the grief and the just the the, the sheer misery of an election campaign. It's hard to find people who are going to go through that in order to go to Washington and make themselves less powerful. Right, that's that's a really that's a unique kind of individual. Now there are a few of them out there, but the Democrats always get their A team into politics because they don't do business or, or or entrepreneurialism or any of that stuff. Everything they do is about rhetoric and persuasion. And I think our biggest problem I've been talking about this since the midterms is what's the Republican brand? Yeah. When 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 Democrats vote for like Fetterman and 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 Pelosi and 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 uh, you know Feinstein. They're voting for the brand. They know those people are, are, are not mentally capable. Joe Biden's in that same boat, right? They know it. They know it. But he's, he's got the brand, and they, they vote the brand. And, and until, the Republican ha the, until the Republican Party has a branded message that's as easy to understand as, if I tell you woke politics, you may disagree with it, and we do, but you know what it is, right? You know what it is. When... When we allow, for example, prior to the midterms, when Joe Biden basically said that anybody who voted for Donald Trump was a was a you know existential threat to our democracy, we started getting into the discussion about whether or not we're a threat to the democracy. We're not a democracy; we're a republic. The Republicans could not insert the word republic into the debate about the country. So when you're talking about whether or not we're whether or not we're a risk to their democracy, people keep hearing democracy and one of the parties is called the Democratic Party. And we're trying to say no, we're trying to preserve our democracy. So we're essentially saying we're arguing against our own brand and we don't have enough yeah, yeah, exactly. And we don't even have enough of an idea of what the brand is. For us to be alert to these kind of things, we just jump in there and say, "Whoa!" One of the whoa, most whoa, whoa. telling stories I ever read was, and this is this is years ago. I, this was either early Tea Party days or pre 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 Tea Party days. Try and say that one three times fast. <laughs> was Mitch McConnell uh, excusing his big government spending votes by saying, "I never had anybody come into my office and ask me to cut something." 
And all I could think was, you're a Republican, you stupid son of a bitch. It's supposed to be in your bones. When Barry Goldwater <laughs> first got elected to the, uh, the the city council, I guess it was, in uh, in Arizona, in uh, in Phoenix, he just started cutting stuff left and right. He got, he got accused by his critics of wanting representation without taxation, and he thought that was the best compliment he could ever receive, because he was a he was a genuine conservative, and he went into office to get government off the people's backs, and he didn't have to have somebody come into his office and say, hey, can you cut this? Because he knew that was his job as a Republican. That's your job, That was Mitch. his job. You have one job, right? You have yes, one exactly. Job. <laughs> now, and the, now, the thing is, when these guys go in there and we talk about how things operate in Washington, <laughs> I think one of the things I find kind of confusing is uh, I think Trump, uh, he, he uh, endorsed McCarthy. For, for Speaker of the House. And it's yeah. not like McCarthy has shown a lot of favoritism uh, toward Trump. But I guess, you know, when, when you have, and I think one of, that was one of the bigger points that people went with that were, were um, enticed by Trump, is that he would run government like a business, right? That's what we need. We need a businessman. We need somebody who's, who's run a business and all that sort of stuff. And I'm like, I don't think it's a good idea to run government like a business because the objective of a business is to grow. And <laughs> this and, <laughs> That's and, beautiful. And government has grown. It's grown a lot. Uh, there are things that Trump needs to own up to in what he has enabled the government. It's like, Trump, you do understand. I see you talking tough, man. When you talk tough with the people of foreign nations, but, you know, your job is to be the law enforcement and protect us from enemies, both foreign and domestic. And I don't think you know who the domestic enemies are. You keep taking counsel from domestic enemies and you get behind our domestic enemies. And, and they have gotten to you. And they showed you the door, you know, and the Fauci, Fauci chief among them. Exactly, man. And, you know, and the thing about Democrats, even even though they live off the government trough, they, they've made it a business. They've made it a business. I mean, hey, man, when they go out as millionaires after the, or, or, or able to become like millionaires while they're holding office, you know, it's a business for them as an entity among themselves. You know, so whatever uh, 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 dealings that they're doing, they, they've they're they've promoted a brand. And the brand sticks out more than their image. That's why you can have That's somebody right. like Biden, you know, who's supposed That's to be right. everything that they hate, become president, right? Even though, even though he cheated. But their business is not only uh, having the brand for themselves, but they've made it a business to brand us. They can brand us whatever they want. That's exactly right. You know, that's, exactly that's their right. business. And they are domestic enemies. And even people like Donald Trump, it's like, I, I voted for him both times. I don't have no regrets about that. But I think he's missed, even, even like putting his... Um, his 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 brand behind Kevin uh, uh, McCarthy. I'm like, I, I don't know. I don't know if you really know who these people are. Well, that's a great point, you know. And I'm not 100 percent sure about this, but uh, British politics are sometimes pretty opaque. But basically, when we're talking about the brand in in a British election, if the Conservatives are running for a particular seat. They don't even necessarily have to announce who the candidate is. They're going to supply a candidate. They want the seat. That's what they're. That's what the campaign is about. For middle, it switch upon the, you know, the Bolton. That 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 seat. We want that seat to be Liberal Party, Conservative Party, or so on. And that's how it goes. And then it's almost like, well, we'll find a seat for you, right? We'll find we'll find yeah. a safe conservative seat for you, a safe liberal seat for you, and and so that's a kind of extreme example of of what we've got here, where where people are voting not for the individual at all. They're voting for the party for that particular district, and we don't have a brand, and that's a major that's a problem. Um, I think the thing about, about uh, President Trump is 
I think people felt this before he was elected, and I think the reason he's still as loved as he is today is because people still feel this. Whether or not he ran the government as a business or whether it's possible, I think the one thing that everybody loves about Donald Trump is they know that he's not one of them, right? Period. That's that's ultimately yes. it. He is not one of them. When everybody, you know, sometimes you're, how can you support this guy? It's like, well, first of all, if you look at what he's done, He's done more good for minorities. That whole argument, right? But basically, I say the reason I'm voting for him is because he's not one of them. He's not one of you. <laughs> he is. He doesn't need it. Nancy yeah. Pelosi and Joe Biden both managed to find a way to make 150 million dollars off of a life of public service at a few hundred thousand dollars a year, right? And obviously, they're seduced by the money. But becoming president of the United States was a pay cut for Trump. Yeah. It was a major pay cut. It was, it was such a pay a cut for him that he essentially don't. I don't need it. It's, it's, it's incidental, right? It's, it's 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 pocket change. And when you have that kind of freedom from financial uh, temptation, because you've already got the stuff that they're dangling in front. I don't need to private. I don't need to fly on Air Force Two, right? My private jet is much nicer than Air Force Two, and this is a thing Trump constantly says, and it drives some people, most people on the left crazy. But, but he's not one of them. Uh, I think looking back on his presidency and going forward, I think you're exactly right, so. I, I think there's, in my mind, there's no question that he has America, America's best interest at heart and the best interest of the American people at heart. He does have a problem... He does have a problem identifying. I think Donald Trump's fundamental problem is, and this this extends to most conservatives, is I think he simply can't believe that people could be as duplicitous as they are. I see that. Yeah, there's right? something. It's just like well, I just can't. Be. There's something that occurred to me a, a, a few months ago that I keep forgetting to share on this show. It's very brief, and that is uh, when Zoe said. Uh, it reminded me when Zoe said Trump wanted to run the government like a business. He seemed to come in with the assumption that. Washington, that the, the executive branch would be like a business, that when a new boss comes into, into town, he tells them what to do, and then they do it. That's not how Washington works. Everybody's got no. their own agenda, and if you don't write them and then fire them if they don't, guess what? They're going to follow their agenda, not yours. And I think if Trump learned anything from his successes and his failures as president, I would hope it is that lesson right there. Indeed, I couldn't agree more. It, 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 uh, uh, really quick, Bill. Uh, <coughs> sure. Speaking of the of the brand, I think I think uh, you know I, I we we try to find the, the the light at the end of the tunnel and all this. We know that things are going to get crazy, man. But we're try, just trying to find flipping beacons of sanity where we can. Mm -hmm. um, speaking of the brand, um, I th I think it, uh, we got you got a group of people just like the people that you mentioned before who brought this uh, who brought this charge against uh, Kevin McCarthy and why he basically lost. Um, they're, they're trying to promote and say, hey, we need to stop getting behind so much uh, 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 promoting a candidate and start promoting conservatism. And uh, they're vetting um, this guy right now. I think uh, what's his name? Byron Donalds uh, for House Speaker is who they're getting behind right now. And uh, man, I don't I don't even think and, you know, I'm not trying to inject a, a, a race narrative into this, but it's, it's we're just talking about. In terms of historically holding up conservatism, uh, a patriarch of the Republican Party uh, was Frederick Douglass, Frederick Douglass himself. Right. I don't think there's been I think Frederick Douglass served as Speaker of the House pro tem uh, during I think it was. Frederick. I don't know if it was I don't know if it was Frederick Douglass, but without question, there was a black a black American who was Speaker of the House pro tem 
in the 1860s. Yeah, I, 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 forgive me, folks, if if, I, if I've got the, the, the wrong figure on that, I should I should know. But better. you got the right you got the right point, yeah. right? There was a, no, no question. It was a black speaker of the house pro tem in the Republican Party in the 1860s after the Civil so War. So it's, it's been a minute. I don't I don't know of anybody since then, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, and, yeah. and y'all, and I'm not trying to make. <laughs> I'm not trying to say this. Hey, we're going to have a black speaker. I'm not saying that. The bottom line is is that if we're looking for a person who square not not trying to promote a candidate but does this person square up with you know conservative values what abraham lincoln was talking about adhering and sticking to the the uh the uh the principles of old hence grand's grand whole party what the founders were, had in mind you know it's like is that could be a road that we're going down or should be going forward with uh with looking at uh byron uh donald's uh that's and yeah, like i said my point is you know it's been a minute and are we trying to, is, is this a point where we're trying to look at those old virtues, those solid old virtues that have stood, that have held up for so long? Well, let's, I mean, we have to face the fact that we live in, you know, we live in the politics of, of, of the real, that we live in the real world. It'd be nice if, if racial identity cards weren't played in the real world and we could judge people on individual merit. But nevertheless, that's the environment, that's the ocean that we swim in. So as far as this guy goes as a potential speaker, if his, if his, heart is in the right place, right? If he really believes this conservative idea, and he seems to, then by all means. And if you get the benefit of having a black speaker of the house as a bonus to use against the people that make everything about race, then then that that's fine. But you got to be careful. And I don't think this oh, is the case with this guy, but remember, we remember, was it Michael Steele, right? When we we're going to make mm. him um, the, the, the uh, head of the Republican Party. And, uh, and he's now become about as vocal a critic of, of conservatism as, as anything could right. be. So if the guy's got, got the message and he's got the right idea, then let's vote for him no matter what he looks like. If it turns out that, that, that you, you get uh, as a bonus, when I say as a bonus, as a bonus to our philosophy, we want the best guy there. If the best guy there happens to be black and it, and it gives you some ammunition against the ongoing branding of the Republicans of Party of Racists, yes. then, that's, then that's just a benefit, right? It's just, an, it's just a little extra cherry on the top. Um, so just to wrap this up, look, as, as uh, Zoe mentioned, you know, or, or Steve both, we don't, it's, we, we like to present positive news when we can find it. It's not whistling past the graveyard. It's just, <laughs> you know, when you get nothing but negative news, positive news just needs to be in there for the balance. I am seeing guys like Josh Hawley and, and Rand Paul, uh, Ted Cruz, I know they're all senators, but but I am seeing a kind of a a lack of shame, right? When I see these guys going after the people they're going after, they're not ashamed to be Republicans. They're not ashamed to be in favor of the United States. They're not ashamed to say this is illegal, immoral, and wrong. It's unconstitutional, and and we've got a really great bench. Uh, I don't want to bring up the, the DeSantis-Trump thing because that's going to have to play out over two years, and I don't know how that's going to go. But one thing that does bear mentioning is when Donald Trump, when Donald Trump, when, when people who supported Donald Trump thought he's going to run the government like a business, I'm sure he would have run it like a business, except with the government, you don't just get to go in and fire all the Democrats, you know, you just, they, that's a Congress, you get, that, that's the way it's supposed to be. What, what DeSantis appears to have accomplished in Florida is not just that he knows how to run a government to produce the same results as a well-run business, which means you gotta you gotta work through the legislature, right? He's not just done it himself. He has he has cleaned the table. 
it's for the first time in U.S. history, Steve, you know better than I do, but there's not a single Democratic representative from the state uh, of Florida. No, no, right? they've, 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 got some, they've got some reps there, but not oh. many. I, I want to say Florida has 29 seats, and I think 23 of them are held by Republicans. I mean, it's, it's, okay. it's huge. It, it's definitely going in the right direction, oh, yeah, right? So, yeah. so, but, I mean, there are, so, there are districts so in that. Miami that are never going to elect a Republican. Yeah, that's what they said, <laughs> and then and then you know and then he comes along. So all I'm trying to say is, look, the fact that the fact that the um, that the default candidate, right, the the uh, status quo candidate, wasn't swept to an immediate victory, is an indication that the Congress is starting to show exactly what uh, was mentioned in this uh, really quite remarkable memo that that was put out by uh, Scott Perry, that we're 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 mad as hell. We're not going to take it anymore. Now, whether or not that results in a different speaker is yet to be determined as we record this. But just the fact that, that there's enough pushback against the establishment so that he didn't win on the first vote when he's essentially, as Steve pointed out, Six. really as a one-person r- race, right? That is an indication that, that the, the people that we have elected to this latest Congress, at least in terms of proportions, sound like they're starting to mean a little more like they mean business. That's good news for all of us. For Steve Green and Alfonso Rachel, I'm Bill Whittle. Thanks very much for joining us. We'd love to have your support over at BillWhittle.com if you want to be a part of keeping these messages out so you don't go completely bat guano crazy. Uh, we'd love to have you join us over in the membership over there. You can make a one-time donation as well as if you like because we don't get to uh, take money from you by force. Uh, and um, and and uh, w- as much as we dearly wish that we could. <laughs> we'll, we'll see you next time right here on Right Angle. <laughs>